Welcome to Crossroad Church's Sermon of the Week podcast. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Bob Ellis. Thank you for joining us today for worship, whether you're online or, as you know, you're here. So if you're here, you're probably not online, but uh, we are glad that you're, you're worshiping with us. Over the last few weeks, we've been looking at a series called God's Love, and I tried to get creative, and sorry, I didn't come up with a title that was a little more catchy, uh, but, um, but we've been looking in February, you know, that's the month where you go into every restaurant, and they're hanging these little hearts, and they almost hit you in the head when you walk through. I went into a taqueria the other day, and I had to dodge hanging hearts, and I'm like, it must be February, and so uh, we are been, we've been looking at just a good month to think about the love of God. And so I want you to look in your Bibles to John chapter 21, and it's a different passage. I kind of do this, and, and I try to find things that maybe aren't what you think I would do, and I don't know if sometimes I outthink myself, um, but there's a passage here that just, it, it just speaks of God's love in a unique way, and it's a way that I think each of us, every one of us, needs to experience. And, um, and just because I can't seem to find where I'm at, oh, there we go. I'm going to start. I've given you just a portion of it in the bulletin. So if you've got that, you're good. But if you've not got that or you're watching on home and you don't have a bulletin, then you're going to need to open your Bibles because there's going to be a little bit more that I want you to see in the context of what's happening here. And, and so Jesus is, has already appeared to some of his disciples. There's the Doubting Thomas story, and, and Jesus is appearing. But, but there's one person that really needed to see Jesus, and his name is Peter. And, and we're going to pick this story up in John chapter 21 and, and verse 1. It says, Later Jesus appeared again to his disciples beside the Sea of Galilee. And this is how it happened. Several of the disciples were there, Simon, Peter, Thomas, nicknamed the twin, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, if you remember, they were also called the sons of thunder, had some temper issues, and two other disciples. Simon Peter said, I'm going fishing. We'll come too, they all said, and they, they went out in the boat and they caught nothing at all that night. Sounds like the fisherman that I am. In verse four, it says, at dawn, Jesus was standing on the beach, but the disciples couldn't see who he was. He called out, fellows, have, have you caught any fish? And they replied, no. Then he said, throw out your net on the right-hand right side of the boat and you'll get some. And so they did, and they, they couldn't haul in the net because there were so many fish in it. Just, just to pause here for just a moment. If this story sounds familiar to you, it's, it's a very similar story to how Jesus called Peter in the first place. He was speaking along the beach, and the crowds were cry, crowding in on him, and he couldn't, he couldn't quite uh, feel the ability to share. And so he hops into Peter's boat. After he preaches, he tells to Peter to go out into the sea, and he's like, we've been fishing all night, and we haven't caught anything. And this is when, when Peter is overwhelmed by the presence of Jesus. And uh, in fact, he even says, I'm a sinner. And, um, and so there's this great haul of fish. Well, now we're seeing the same story replicated, but after Jesus' death and resurrection. And, and anyway, so the, the stranger, because they didn't know who he was at the time, and said what to do. And then look at, look at verse 7. Then the disciple Jesus loved said to Peter, so this is John. Uh, he's often referred to as the disciple Jesus loved. 
It's the Lord. And when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his tunic, for he had stripped for work, jumped into the water, and headed to shore. The others stayed with the boat and pulled, a, I'm sorry, and pulled the loaded net to the shore, for they were about a hundred yards from shore. And when they got there, they found breakfast waiting for them, fish cooking over a charcoal fire and some bread. Bring some of the fish you've just caught, Jesus said. And Simon Peter went aboard and dragged the net to shore. There were 153 large fish, and yet the net hadn't torn. Now, I don't know if, if some people have said this is, this is one of those really cool statistics, like 153. Like, what does it matter? Why didn't he say, oh, it was 100 plus? This is the details that we're seeing in Scripture. Someone felt the need that this was an important part of the story. And it wasn't just some story thrown together. This is the eyewitness account that's passed down from the disciple, the one that, that was referred to as the one that Jesus loved, though we know he loved each and every one of his disciples, John. It says, now come and have some breakfast, verse 12. And, and, and then none of his disciples dared to ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Now, this is an interesting verse, and we're not even to where I want to go to today. This is interesting because there was some kind of a, a confusion to, was, was this Jesus? Is not Jesus? What is the last image that they remember seeing of Jesus? Now, for three years, they walked with Jesus, and they knew his image. We were having a conversation when, uh, just recently about how, how when you take your mask off, you're like, oh, that's how people look now? You know, we forget about that, right? What was the last image they saw of Jesus? Eaten and bloodied. And this wasn't, this, this isn't him. How could it be him? But it's him, right? So they didn't ask, they knew that it was him. And then Jesus served them bread and fish. This was the third time Jesus had appeared to his disciples since he had been raised from the dead. Now, let's zoom in on these next few verses. After breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, Peter replied, you know I love you. Then feed my lambs. And Jesus told him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter said, you know I love you. Then take care of my sheep, verse 17. A third time he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was hurt that Jesus asked him the question a third time. He said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you, Jesus said. Then feed my sheep. Then feed my sheep. See, this passage is on the heels. It comes after Peter had done what? Rejected him how many times? Three. Peter was living with guilt at this time. And it's a great passage about forgiveness. It's a great passage about, okay, let's let the past be the past. And, and there's tons of, of different side messages in here. But I want to dig into the part about love. We've been looking at God's love each and every week. And the love of God. And, and it's an amazing thing to think about how much God loved us. He loved us so much that he gave his only son for us. He loved us so much that he, he breathed breath into our lungs, and we live. He, he loved us so much that sometimes he's tough on us so that we understand what it is he wants us to do and to be. Here in this passage, the, the roles are flipped a little bit. 
Peter's gone through this experience where he was scared, he rejected Jesus. He's, he's gone back to what he was doing before he met Jesus, which, remember, he left everything to follow Jesus. And now he's like, what do I do now? Well, I go back to fishing. That's what I seem to know how to do best. And, and yet, even on that day, he was struggling to do that. And Jesus appears, and he gives him this amazing opportunity to reestablish the relationship. See, this is the love of God, that God is reaching out and restoring a broken relationship. And it was broken, at least from Peter's side. See, Jesus came for broken people like you and like me. He knew what was in Peter. He knew the substance he was made of. He knew his tendencies to fall into sin, just like he knows our, sin, our ten, sinful tendencies. And, and, but the relationship was broken. From Peter's point of view, he couldn't forgive himself. And here he meets Jesus after the resurrection, and, and Jesus gives him this opportunity, and he, and he says to him, do you love me more than these? Do you love me? It's an interesting question, isn't it? There were 12 disciples, okay? Who loved him more? Peter thought he loved Jesus more than the rest of them. Well, that's a, how do you quantify that? How do you measure that? How, how do you really figure out who loves someone more than someone else? And so he says, do you love me more than these? And Peter's response was, yes, Lord. Yes, I love you. And he does this three times. But every response, Jesus says to Peter, then feed my sheep. If you love me, feed my sheep. You see, loving God is not just theological. It's, it's not just a theological kind of love. See, the Bible says in Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 9, Understand, therefore, that the Lord your God is indeed God. He is the faithful God who keeps his covenant for a thousand generations and lavishes his unfailing love on those who love him and obey his commands. See, this establishes a theological kind of love, the kind of love that God has for you. It's, it's this idea that if you will keep his commands and you will follow him faithfully, he will pour out his love on you up to a thousand generations. Sometimes I've thought, what is a generation? Is it 20? Is it 40 years? Um, I love these stories where you hear that uh, so-and-so was a, he was a carpenter and his, his son was a carpenter and, and now the kid's going to be a carpenter. It's like generations. You see this in military families sometimes. You see that there's these generations, but a thousand generations? Has there even been a thousand generations? Hmm, that would be a good math question. We had a, we had a group over last night, and we were talking about, and what year are we possibly living in? What did we come up with, like 5,732? If you start from creation, you're following the Hebrew calendar. So a 1,000 generations, we're probably 1,000 times 20, probably not there. So what is Deuteronomy saying? Is it figurative? He says, understand, therefore, theologically, that, that God loves you, Right? He is faithful. He keeps his covenant, his promises to those who are faithful to him. He pours out his love. This is a theological kind of love. If you ask someone about God, they might have this theological understanding and they say, well, I love God because the Bible tells me to love God. It's a theological point of view. 
But, but what he's asking Peter in this passage is, do you love me more than these? This has nothing to do with the Old Testament. This has nothing to do with the commandments because Peter's broken them. He's lied and he's cursed to get to this point. He's broken the commandments, so he falls short of Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 9, just like each and every one of us do. So this relationship with God cannot just be theological. It cannot just be doctrinal, though that is important. Those are a, that's the basis, right? That's, that's how we understand who he is and what he's done. But God's love, and then more importantly, in, at least in this passage that I want us to get to, He's asking Peter, do you love me? We, God's love has been established. It's established. What's not established here, and Peter needs to figure this out, and maybe some of us need to figure this out, is do you? Do you love God? Do I love God? Well, Peter says he loves God more than all of the rest. Can you imagine if I got up here and says, I love God more than each and every one of you? Peter didn't do that in front of the disciples. He's doing that, him and Jesus, you know, buddy to buddy. I love you more than these guys. Do you love Jesus more than these guys? See, I hope you're getting this. I hope, because it struck me differently than I'd ever read this passage. God's love, it's established. It is theological. It's foundational. It is what we turn to when we, when we sometimes doubt the truth. But what about your love and my love? He gives Peter this opportunity to, to say to him, Peter, it's more than just theological. It's more than you being raised a Jew and being told that the Lord your God is one. It was, it's more than that. He's saying, you should know this, Peter. He, says, he asks him a second time. Do you love me? Yes, Lord. You know I love you. How does he know that he knows? Because he already recognizes that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God. He's the same one who he heard that, that Jesus said, oh, I saw Philip before I ever really saw Philip under a fig tree. When he was calling his disciples, Jesus would often know things about them before they ever joined the group like in Philip's case, or Nathaniel's case, rather. It's an amazing thing to think that God knows everything about you, your thoughts. He knows what you're thinking about now. And so Jesus is asking Peter, do you love me? And, Jesus, and Peter's response is, you know everything. You know my thoughts. In fact, I believe Peter, at that moment, knows that Jesus can read his mind like he can read our hearts this very moment. Peter knows, and so he says that. It's, it's a theological thing that he's come to, to agreement with. He says, you know, and Jesus says, feed my sheep. See, loving God is not just a theological kind of God, uh, love. Loving God is not just based solely on what he has done. Make no mistake about it. What he has done for you and for me no one else has done that. No one else was willing to die on the cross for you and for me. It's a theological fact. It's a historical fact. It's a fact we don't need to forget. But loving God isn't just because of what he's done for you. I mean, have you ever 
had someone do something for you and you're like, man, they're awesome. I love them, right? Have you ever had somebody who's done something for you that you don't love? Think about it. I know, I guess they loved me, right? So that's why they did it. But have you ever had someone do something for you? Maybe you didn't even know them. So loving God isn't just solely based on what he's done for you. What's God done for you? Has he brought you out of an addiction? Has he brought you out of financial disaster? Has he brought you through an emotional time that you could not have made it without him? Has he done something for you that you're eternally grateful for? Yeah, I think we all could say that, right? But loving God is more than what, you're not loving him just because of what he's done for you. Look at this, look at this passage. He says to Peter, do you love me? He says, then feed my sheep. Do you love me? Well, then feed my sheep. Well, do you love me? Then feed my sheep. See, this is what Peter had been called to do, was to feed sheep instead of fishing. But he finds himself fishing again because the friendship has been broken. As I was thinking about God's love, and his love is theological, it's historical. He has done certain things for you and I. And because of that, He deserves our love. But that doesn't necessarily push us over the edge to really loving him. He's done that for all of humanity, and not all of humanity loves him back. So when he asks Peter, do you love me more than these, it really comes down to a friendship question. Do you love me more than these? Well, let's just stop for a second. What is friendship? Now, what's a a true friend? Think about those friends that I had some good friends in high school. And, and that was before Facebook. I guess it's still before Facebook because I still don't do Facebook. But anyway, it was before Facebook. Uh, so I haven't kept up with those friends. I mean, technology's advanced, and nowadays kids can keep up on Xbox. They can keep up on their phones and Instagram and Snapchat. And oh my goodness, it just drives me crazy. But you can keep up with someone if you want to keep up with someone, and friends keep up with someone. So what what constitutes a friendship? Well, we keep up, okay? How about shared stories and experiences? You think Jesus and Peter had some shared stories and some experiences? Yeah. What about when demonic people were healed? Or just, you know, the, the, the garden variety deaf or mute or blind or someone who was paralyzed, that Peter got to see. They shared some experiences together. This friendship is what made them bond. Jesus says to Peter, he says, do you love me? He says, you know I do. Why? Because they had a friendship. They became friends. They became friends over this three and a half year journey. And Jesus is restoring the friendship. The Bible says in James chapter 2, verse 23, it says, and the scripture was fulfilled that says Abraham believed God. That's theological, right? Or that's experiential. And it says, and it was counted to him as righteousness. And he was called a friend of God. Peter, do you love me more than everybody else in here? I love you, Lord. Why? 
because of what you've read and been taught about me as a kid? Or, or because of what you think I've done for you? Or do you love me because we're friends? I, I hope you get that. Obligated love, somebody does something for you, you feel like you owe them a favor. They do something good for you, you do something. And so maybe that friendship or that kind of relationship grows giving and taking. It can't just be about what he did for you. It's the relationship. There's a friendship that Jesus wanted to offer to his disciples, and he's offering it back again to Peter. He offered it to Abraham, and Abraham became a friend of God. In in John chapter 15, verse 14, Jesus says this, You are my friends if you do what I command. And I no longer call you slaves. Now, you have to realize slavery was uh, a very strong component in the Roman Empire. In fact, it was very strong into our culture up to a hundred and some years ago. And, and so they, this is an analogy they would have understood. They would have known people who were in slavery. In fact, the Israelites were in slavery for 440 years to the Egyptians. And he says, you are not slaves. You're friends. And because you're friends, I'm going to share some things with you that the Father has shared with me. And I'm going to pass them on down to you. See, a friendship is not only shared stories and experiences, it's a loyalty. There's some things you tell your friends that you don't tell anybody else. Right? You figure out very quick, quickly who are the friends you can share a story with that won't share it with the rest of the world. You figure that out. Sometimes you tolerate even those who share your stories. But, but this friendship that Jesus is offering Peter is, is one that it shows the love of God. And he's asking Peter, do you love me the same way I love you? Because I've called you a friend. What do friends do? They're sounding boards right before you make a, a dumb mistake. You tell your friend and they're like, don't do that. Right? If you have a friend that pushes you into bad things, think about that friendship. That's a whole nother category, right? Jesus says, I call you a friend. You are now a friend. God's love is established. God's love is theological. He has done an amazing, incomparable work on the cross for us that we could not get to God on our own. And that is true. But he's not asking Peter, do you love me, based off of theology, history, or even in this case, recent, the resurrection, the, the crucifixion, the recent history in this case. He's asking Peter, are we still friends? Are we still friends? Because if we're still friends, then feed my sheep. Because friends will do what I say. What, why? Well, you understand he's the Messiah. He's not going to ask you to do something that would be eternally wrong for you. He says, feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. Can you call on a friend and ask them to do anything for you? A true friend? Can you just call them up at the... I've got a a couple friends that I can call at any time, and I can say, I need help. And they're there for me. They're there for me. Some of those are 20-plus years, friends. Jesus says to him, Peter, do you love me? Then 
feed my sheep. See, the relationship had been so broken that Peter didn't think he could still do what he was called to do. It was broken. And Jesus and the love of God is restoring that friendship. I don't want to overwhelm me with a bunch of, bunch of theological today. Or even a bunch of history. Biblical history. I just want to ask you one simple question. Do you love him? Do you love him? Well then, if you love him, and if I love him, we have one job. Really, it's just one job. And you might think, well, Pastor, I think you and Peter kind of line up because, you know, you feed sheep, you, you teach people. That's kind of your thing. No, no. God has called each and every one of us to be part of the kingdom. He called disciples, and these disciples did different things. The church grew because the different gifts were administered in the church. We feed sheep different ways. Some's through teaching and preaching. And sometimes it's through serving. He said to Peter, if you love me, Peter, do you really love me? Well, it should be based off of friendship. Then feed my sheep. Let's pray. God, I thank you that you've called us friends. I thank you that, that we were once enemies to you when we were in the world. But the moment that we have put our faith in you, we became friends. And only friends can ask friends to do certain things. And you've looked at each and every one of us, each and every one of us that, that have become friends of yours. And you've given us this amazing task. We have purpose. We have promise. We have a call, and that call is to serve you and to serve others. God, every day after you restored the friendship with Peter, I believe he looked for opportunities to serve you until that day he himself died for you. Lord, I pray that every single day of our lives we will look for opportunities to serve you and to serve others. That we will represent you and this friendship that we have with you with the world. And we will invite others to join this circle of friends. God, thank you for calling me a friend. And calling those in this room friends. Lord, if there's anyone in here that doesn't have a friendship with you. Lord, I do pray they understand the theological components of faith. Lord, I do hope they understand the historical parts of what you have done for them. But Lord, I hope they also understand that you're inviting them to a friendship and that we will co-labor with you, Christ. And for a thousand generations, throughout eternity, we will acknowledge how much we love you. Pray this in Jesus' name. For more information about this podcast and other ministries, visit crossroadstx.church.